Good morning, everyone. Before we begin, I'm going to take some time and pray that God will open our hearts and our minds um, to what he wants us to learn this morning, because God's word is what we live by. It is through God's word that the world even exists. Uh, we know that God created the word through a word. So as we uh, begin to look at God's word and look at how it applies to us and what God wants us to do, let us pray because we're going to need God's spirit to open our hearts, to open our minds, to move all distractions that he can capture us this morning, capture our minds and our hearts. Father God, I thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, all that you do for us. I thank you, Lord, that we even exist. Without you, we don't exist. Zero plus zero, zero, Father. But we know that you do exist. We're having an experience of who you are. Your word declares that you created us in my image, in your image, Father, despite what the world says, despite what philosophy says in the secular world, we know that you created us. So I pray that you will be with us as we open up your word to learn about you and to continue to grow in our faith for those who know you, for those who don't know you. We want to be a good example so they can come to know who you are, Father. So as we continue to focus on unity, may we really understand what that means and how to apply it. We pray, Father, in your name. Amen. So we are going to continue our session on causes of disunity, particularly in the body of Christ. Um, we know that there's disunity uh, everywhere it's been. Uh, that for many years, uh, in the Bible days, Old Testament, we've seen or we've reviewed or seen uh, disunity. And so God wants the church to be unified so the world can see him, to see his love. And disunity can cause the world not to see God. Um, it can actually push people away from God. And we don't want people to be pushed away from God. We want people to draw near to God. And God will use us to do that. Uh, Jesus is not coming down from heaven to walk on earth. Even when Jesus was here, people did reject him, right? But he did draw a lot to him. Now we know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's done his work on the cross. Now God has given us a mission to go out and make disciples. But we cannot make the disciples if we don't have the right information. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 today, verses 6 through 10. And I'm so amazed with the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys and how he was able to preach the gospel. 
and teach the gospel. But there was some disunity in the church at that time. And we're going to dig into that because we don't want to repeat the same mistakes that was repeated through the Galatians at this time. So before we actually get into our main text, there's a few things I want us to focus on. Um, some of you have probably heard of the word apologetics. Uh, apologetics is very important in the Christian faith. But you must know God's word to be able to practice apologetics uh, correctly. I'm going to give you the, the term of apologetics. The study of theology to def defend Christian teaching against criticism and distortion and give evidence of its credibility. So you have to be a student of God's word in order to be apologetic. If not, you will shy away from conversations for those who maybe question your faith. Why do you believe in Jesus? How do you know you're saved? Who told you you were saved? Uh, Jesus is not the way. Allah is the way. Buddha is the way. Hindu is the way. If you don't know God's word, you could easily be maybe persuaded to go a different way. Or you might think twice about going a different way, even if you may not be persuaded. So we have to make sure we know what God's word says and stand on God's word and be a good student of God's word. To be a student of God's word, you never have to be a preacher up here. You could be a preacher in your neighborhood, your small group, your football team, your wrestling team, you name it. Your clubs, your organizations, uh, your neighborhood gatherings, but you have to know God's word. And so you have to be able to study scripture, memorize some scripture, um, minimally summarize it, right? Or put it into your own terminology that's still correct to the word if you can't quote it verbatim. So in this life, we see apologetics everywhere, not even just in Christianity. Uh, we see it in politics, right? We see it in the school system. We see it in people. Um, there's right and wrong. We know that. And right and wrong is different to people. But we believe we see right and wrong from God's word. And so a lot of people are apologetic about the way they live their life, right? They'll convince you or try to give you evidence to justify how they live. As Christians, we're being apologetic for Jesus Christ and the gospel message. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. So the question is, how are we to apply apologetics the right way so we're not doing it within our flesh? 
I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. It says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but it only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So you have to be able to handle God's word accurately. What does that mean? I have to know God's word. I have to study. I have to be a student of God's word so I can teach it to others. Who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, some of us could be ashamed to share the gospel if you don't know how to share it. (laughs) Or be apologetic about anything in the Bible if you haven't studied. You ever been in school and... You show up to class, you have a test, you're not prepared. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Ooh, it doesn't feel good. Some of y'all are probably always prepared, but some of y'all, y'all smart. Y'all don't, you maybe don't need to study, you don't need to prepare, you just, you just smart. Like, my wife is smart like that. I was, let me tell you, my wife um, was getting ready to become the chief pilot at the University of Dubuque, the chief instructor pilot. She is already, but I think two years ago she took that position. And we're busy. We have three kids, a lot going on. Uh, Reagan and his family has four. <laughs> They're busier than us. Um, and I was wondering, you know, because how she's going to get the studying done. Because uh, the little one there, she owns mom, let me tell you. <laughs> she She owns mom. And so... She even wasn't, I don't think, feeling that well at the time either. And I saw her kind of study a little bit, but it wasn't very, it wasn't a lot. And then she passed the exam. I'm like, wow, like, she's smart. So some people, you know, don't need a lot of time to study. They just get it right away, right? But we have to rightly not be ashamed, right? So we got to be prepared, Rightly handling the word of truth. This, this word is true. Now, some people will debate with you that it isn't. That's okay. Because you have to know for yourself that it is true. That is, it is truth. Some people say there is no such thing as absolute truth. Right? That's a lie. What color is this? That's what? That's true. That's true. Right? I'm a male. That's true. I have a microphone on. That's truth, right? So we can be confident that there is what? There is truth. If you go to a secular college, you will have some professors that will tell you your truth is your truth or there is no absolute truth. 
and I hope that is not happening at any conservative Christian colleges. Uh, you know, we know we got some liberal colleges out there. We got some people that's kind of in the middle, not sure what truth is. But God can reveal to you that there is truth. Actually, we have common sense to know there is truth. So anything else is just like idiotic, in my opinion. They just be, they're just being silly, right? Yeah, they just they denying the truth because they want to feel good about themselves, right? So we know there is truth, and we're gonna today we're gonna talk about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one truth we're going to talk about today, how to be apologetic about that. We're going to see how Paul put that into place. But it says, avoid, verse 16, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more ungodliness. And I'm going to stop there. So we have to be wise with this truth. We have to be wise with God's word, right? We're not to argue, to fight. I remember when I was, when I first became a Christian, sometimes I wanted to be a uh, a Bible banger. What did they say? What the, they call that? What's that? Bible thumper. Yes. Help me out. Yes. Like I grew up Pentecostal, you'd be just like fired up. Like, you know, it's like you, you you believe the truth so much that you got to go tell everybody, but sometimes you get so bold with it that you just want to, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Here's the truth, and, and, and just you want to just put it in people's face. But it was good that God, you know, kind of, hey, settle down. He, he kind of brought me in. He settled me down to understand how I present his word. How do I present the truth? So that's important. So we're going to go ahead and um, move on to our text for today, starting at verse 6, if I can get that up. Apostle Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So Paul had been on a missionary journey to some churches in the Galatian area, the Galatian church, Galilea area, and had, after his conversion, he had been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and preaching to churches, him and Barnabas. They've been on some trips. And now there has come some false teaching in the church that um, Jesus isn't good enough. It ain't about just Jesus. It's about this thing called the law. So some apostles have rose up, and he's addressing them. And as you look at the word astonish, Paul is actually saying, I'm disappointed. He is very disappointed that they are turning to a different gospel. They're turning away from the grace of Christ. So I want to look at what is the grace of Christ that Paul was preaching or had preached. Uh, Let's look at Acts 13, verses 38 through 39. 
If I can get Acts 13. Okay. Can you go down to 38, please? 38, 39. Okay, I'll read it. Okay, 38, verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, the man he's talking about is Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Now, he is preaching to his audience here who are the Galatians at the time when he was on his missionary journey. And verse 39, and by him, everyone who believes is free from everything from which you could not be freed by. The law of Moses. So that is the grace of Jesus Christ. That we do not come to God through by what we do, but by the grace of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. So Paul was very disappointed because God had revealed to Paul that no person can meet God's standard. There has been not one individual throughout history that has lived out the law to the fullest with no sin. Because if you have no sin, then who are you? You're Jesus Christ. So the best of the best has at least sinned once. If not outwardly, inwardly. There's something called iniquity, hidden sin. Yeah. Jesus sees that too. God sees that too. The Bible says if you want to murder somebody in your heart, then you've already did what? Committed murder. So God sees all things, outward sins, inward sins. So no one can ever profess that they have been perfect, only Jesus Christ. And it's a good deal. The law is hard to keep. That's not covet. What's that all about? Right? So you can look up the Ten Commandments. You can look up all the laws. And some of the Jewish had added more laws <laughs> beyond the Ten Commandments. That God were happy with, that you will see it is hard to live. That shall not commit adultery. Thou shalt not serve no other God before me. Idolatry. So it is very difficult not to sin. Are we to be more like Christ? Yes. By his spirit. Right? By his spirit. Let's go on to Romans 3. 21. We're going to start at verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. But now apart from the law, 
It's separate. The righteousness of God is separate from the what? Law. It's like oil and water. If you have oil on on a plate and you put water, what's going to happen? Separation. It separates. Oil and water don't what? Mix. It don't mix. God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I know Paul is very disappointed. He is upset. He is besides himself because they know they can't live perfect. They cannot be right before God based on their actions, based on how they live. It is based on the work of Jesus Christ. Christ himself said, I came to fulfill the law. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came to fulfill the law, right? Next verse, and all are justified freely by his grace, his unmerited favor. That's what grace is, means God's unmerited favor. Through the redemption that came by who? Jesus Christ. Not by me, not by myself. It's not about what I do. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Next verse. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded because of the law? The law that requires works, no, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. God created the law to help us understand what is wrong with us, right? That's what the law is for. And he has died that we won't be bound to the law. That should not kill. That should not covet. He gives us his spirit so we don't do those things. But we have to first know what his standards are. That's why he gave us the law so we can know what wrong is and what right is. Right? Pretty basic there. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of course. I mean, excuse me, yes. Back up, please, real quick. Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So it is is important 
for there to be a law. Because it is God's standards. But because we cannot fulfill all of the law, which demands perfection, God had to send us his son. So he lived perfectly. And because of that, we can piggyback ride on Jesus Christ. Because he did it for us. There had to be a penalty for sin. So Jesus came, lived the law perfectly, and died on the cross for our sins. And that's our way to God. Our way to heaven. Our way to salvation. Okay, verse 7 of Galatians 10. I mean, first Galatians chapter 7. I mean, verse 7, excuse me. Which is really no gospel at all. So, Apostle Paul goes a little more and says, hey, any other gospel that ain't about Jesus Christ is no gospel at all. It is actually a false gospel. It's false teaching. So, let's look at what, what does that actually look like okay let me back up a little bit I'm going to go back to the scripture here Uh, back to 7 and evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to prevent the gospel of Christ So here, one version says, evidently some people are troubling you into confusion. So my question is, for us today, what could trouble us or cause confusion about the gospel of Jesus Christ? The wrong theology. The wrong theology about Christ. And it's mind-blowing that even in the church today, there are some people that will believe that it is by works they are saved. It is about what they do versus what Christ has done for us. Or they're listening to the world. We're religions, right? Um, one can be our flesh. Let's say you're, you're saved, you've, you've believed, and there's evidence, but sometimes you might doubt because you may sin that am I truly saved? So some people sometimes can live on emotions. Oh, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel saved. Jesus never said you had to feel saved. Right? He said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So there's a faith thing. Now there is some emotion 
that's involved with the conversion process, but that is something we cannot live off of every day. But some people believe that. Oh, I don't feel, I don't feel close to God, so I must not be saved. Or I sinned. I, I remember going, growing up, I would see some people, they were living for, for God, and then they would stop coming to church for whatever reason. And then they said that because they hadn't been showing up to church and doing things right, that they're not saved anymore. I'm like, this is interesting. And then all of a sudden they'll come back and say, okay, God, God saved me again. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I look at that and I'm like, eek, there's something wrong there. I believe either you're saved or you're not saved. Now, there may be, you might be in a position where you're not following God, but if you're truly saved, the Holy Spirit is going to be on you saying, hey, what's up? You're going to be miserable. You're not going to feel right. And so God is a lot of times chastising us or you're grieving the Holy Spirit and you feel bad about your actions, and that is God drawing you to himself. Also, someone would say, you got to speak in tongues to be saved. I don't see that in the Bible. If you do, show me. Uh, some people do get uh, the day of Pentecost confused about what that means when it comes to being saved. Uh, some people believe if you, if you show up to church and you don't get involved and you just sit, you're quiet, more, you're not all into it. Some people look and... Is that person Christian, you know, or they don't, I don't see them uh, singing or I, they don't get into it a certain way. There's a lot of ways the churches are divided based on just even a church service and how churches flow. It, they'll use that to build a doctrine on if they are, do they get saved the right way? I've seen these things and it's sad. So there's a lot of things that can get in way of the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Some churches put sanctification before justification. Sanctification is about becoming more like Christ once you have Christ. You can't practice sanctification without justification. So I believe sometimes that's why some people don't get saved because they're painting this big picture of sanctification first versus justification. It's not about what you do to get saved. I remember growing up, a lot of friends, even myself, we'd say, yeah, I ain't, I ain't ready to get saved yet. I ain't, I ain't messing with God like that. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready to follow Christ. You're ready when he touches your heart and you hear the gospel. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the what? The word of truth, the word of God, right? So that's when God pricks your heart, that's when you're, you're ready. I'm going to move on to uh, verse 8. Now Paul gets very strong here. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel 
other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That will be a bad place to be. So as we see here, Paul is very, very serious about this. Very serious. Verse 10. For am I now seeking... I'll stick with this version here. Am I now trying to win the approval of man, human beings, or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, what what does this all mean? Now, we know... In life, there are people pleasers out there, right? Sometimes people don't want to say what is true because they don't want to do what? Hurt someone's feelings, right? Or they love someone so much that they will hide the truth from them just to love them from a human standpoint versus a God's standpoint. The truth can hurt. But we know the Bible teaches us to give truth and grace, right? We can, we can do both at the same time. Like they say, we can chew gum and tar our shoe at the same time. I mean, eat gum and, what is it, eat, eat our, walk and chew gum at the same time? Yes, 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 right? So that's Pretty much what we have to do as Christians, we can, do, we can practice grace and truth at the same time. So Paul knows without pleasing God, people can't be saved. If he went along with the Jewish tradition, with the Judaizers, and I, I encourage you to read the whole book of Galatians. It's really cool. And maybe some of you have already, but it's a really cool book. And you'll see uh, a lot more details throughout the book that I don't have time to go through this morning. That Paul was not concerned about being on the side of anyone but the truth of God's word. And Paul was a Jew himself, so he knew the law. Paul faced a lot of pain and suffering, preaching and teaching the Gentiles and being between that and the Jews. So when we're out, we have to look at Paul's example and say, 
when we're out amongst those who don't know Christ and we're sharing his message or with those who know him, we can't back away from the truth because we're not seeking man's approval. We're only seeking God's approval. Now, that could possibly cause you some suffering, some persecution. Uh, You might lose some friends. You might lose some family members. You name it. Because some people are just going to be who they are, and they're going to say, hey, yeah, I'm not with that, but you can be with that all you want. And uh, that's your truth. That's... This is my truth. You can have it, and uh, we're, we're not going to have conversations about that. But being true to God is what we need to do. So with that being said, I want to encourage us to, number one, let's review a couple of things. Let's know God's word. So we can be apologetic about the truth. The world needs to know what is the gateway to God. What is the bridge to God? What is the way to God? Right? One simple verse, John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one can come through the Father but through me. Let's be aware of the systems that can trouble us, that can cause us to be confused or try to deceive us or deceive those who don't actually know who Jesus is. Once again, that's politics, the school system, and people. And then it is by his grace. It is not by works that we come to know who Christ is. Also, I encourage you, when you get a chance, go and check out the story of Abraham and Sarah. God leads us through how this faith story all began when Abraham was justified through his faith with his righteousness in in God. And so God gave a promise to Abraham. I'm going to share this quick story and then I'll be done. God shared with Abraham that he would have many descendants And that they will be blessed based on his faith in God. And he told them that he was going to also give them a child, a promised child. Some of you know who that child is. It's going to be Isaac. But they jumped the gun. 
Abraham and Sarah, they were living in their flesh. Just like these Judaizers are teaching the Galatians, hey, it's about the work. It's about circumcision. It's about the law that you're going to get to God's promise of eternal life or to know God personally. You have, you have to follow this law. So Sarah gave her slave woman to Abraham. God told them they were going to have a child. Things weren't working. They were old. Time was passing by. Time was passing by. And they started to lack some faith. So because of Sarah's lack of faith, they had a child that was not promised to them by God named Ishmael. And that was a mess. That whole situation was pretty bad. And, and I encourage you to go through and read it. Uh, in the book of Genesis, you know, she, once the baby came, she was mad. She looked at the child and she, she pretty much probably wanted to kill that baby. Eventually, she did send them out, and God's grace came along and saved Sarah, not Sarah, excuse me, Hagar and Ishmael. Then eventually, they had Isaac, the promised child that God gave them. So what I'm trying to say is, is with this living by faith versus living by the Spirit is the way we have to operate. Our flesh cannot get us into heaven. The works of the flesh cannot get us there. Only faith in Jesus Christ gets us to eternal life, to a relationship with God. And we are continue to be perfected by the Spirit of God and through our faith in Jesus Christ as we continue to grow and to learn more about God and to become who he wants us to become, it is not by the flesh. Paul even went to the point, he said, who has bewitched you, you Galatians? Like, that you now think that you can perfect your faith in your flesh. Who has bewitched you, you old foolish Galatians? Well, my encouragement today, and this is a, a, the basic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the basic theology that will hold us together to go out and to make disciples is that it's through faith and faith alone. It is not by any works. It is basic. It is simple. It's concise. And as we look to grow Radius Church, and for those to come in that do not know him, we must know this basic gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be able to articulate it. We must know it. We must study it. We must continue to, to grow in God's love for us. It is never about our flesh getting us to 
the finish line. It is about God, his spirit, even getting us to the finish line. He that started a good work in you shall also finish it. It is not by our flesh that our salvation is finished. It's completely in the work of Christ. So I'm going to pray us out and ask the worship team to come up. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation in your son. I pray as a church that you will help us to continue to study your word. That we may be able to share your word in truth and in love to those who that don't know you. That's why you've called us to yourself is that we may go out and be disciples like Paul was a disciple. Being able to be uh, apologetic, defending your word. I pray, Lord, that we may be unified by your gospel and that we all speak the same knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.